Are you ready to take the lead in the dance of life? Fall in love with who you are right now and find uninhibited joy every day? Then it's time for you to flaunt your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Join radio host Laura Cheadle and learn how the five steps of flaunt can help you quit seeking approval, proving your worth, and release you from the judgment of others. Express all that you are, discover your naked self-worth, and finally, enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create. According to Harvard's Health and Happiness Study, the number one way to find happiness is to feel good. And Laura's 90-day Fit to Flaunt program is all about feeling good every day. If you're sick and tired of the unhealthy, unrealistic, and unattainable goals that the diet and fitness industry shoves at us all, then Fit to Flaunt is the program for you. Based on your goals, your body, your lifestyle, and most importantly, how you feel, Fit to Flaunt will change the way you think about health, happiness, and most importantly, yourself. For more information, go to www.lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com because the program starts soon <laughs> and fills up fast. Hello, welcome to Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. I'm Laura Cheadle, and today we are really going to focus on some amazing things. We're going to focus on love we're going to focus on joy. We're going to focus on happiness and saying yes to life. We're going to focus on saying yes to all of those things that bring us joy and satisfaction. Because if you're anything like me, being happy is something that we want, but it's also something that we stop ourselves from receiving. And I know that doesn't make any sense, but that's just kind of human nature. Today's guest is Elliot Robertson, and he is a love and joy coach. He's the author of the book, Say Yes to Life, Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within. What I love about Elliot is he has written devotionals for Daily Word magazine, which I have always enjoyed. My whole life, I've read parts of Daily Word, and I really enjoy it. He's also written articles for the Science of Mind and Wisdom magazine. He holds a master's degree in psychology, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, gives him a really unique perspective on how to find happiness and joy in life. Now, for years, Elliot consistently squelched his desires, the moment they emerged. <laughs> As he put it, his constant refrain was, yes, I'd love to be friends with this person, but I'm not good enough. I'm sure you can relate to that. Anyway, the belief that he was not good enough was pervasive. Whenever his heart voiced a desire, he immediately ruled it out. Whether the desire was related to career advancement, relationships, or money. He even said that he didn't ask a woman out who had captured his heart at first sight. Again, it's that belief that he wasn't good enough. After graduating, he worked at entry-level jobs for years, even though he had an advanced degree. 
his low self-esteem led him to sabotage a relationship with a man within a year of meeting him and falling in love. Elliot is really one of those people who walks his talk. He's been there. He understands how it feels to want more, but not to be able to get there. He's got a compassion for the young man that he used to be. He understands what it's like. And through work and through living, he has gradually come to know that the cosmos are benevolent and majestic and create only images of its own nature. This transformation has revealed to him his passion and his purpose, which is to support others in their journey of liberation from the misery and the paralysis that comes with having low self-worth or self-esteem. And through the course of this journey, he has discovered several keys to opening the door to the realm of day-to-day authentic happiness. And he shares those keys through others, to others through his coaching and his writing. And he is going to share some of those keys with us today. So welcome to the show, Elliot. I'm really happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure to be with you. So as we were talking about in the introduction, you spent a lot of years of your life not really being that happy because of your low self-esteem. Can you tell listeners a little bit more about your journey to overcome kind of that mediocre living? Yeah, when I was in my youth, I lived in New York City, and um, I had a lot of bitterness and a lot of jealousy. I would walk around the streets of New York. I would see people in outdoor cafes that I couldn't afford because I was always making enough to pay the rent, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And I would go to grocery stores sometimes with my last few dollars and somebody would have a basket of goodies, but I only had enough money to buy one or two things. Jealousy, wherever I went, it would always just show up and along with it, bitterness, the two things, bitterness and jealousy went hand in hand for me. So I was miserable for quite a while back in my youth. I've had a lot of um, spiritual growth over the years. I've had just gradual growth and I'm not sure if I have a moment uh, really specifically to share about the turnaround moment. I do know that basically I came to a point when I just realized that things would continue like that and I would continue to be miserable unless I took ownership for my life and took ownership for where I was, stopped blaming God, stopped blaming life, stopped saying life was unfair. I just knew I had to give all of that up, stop the complaining and um, just turn around to another direction from there. I love the word ownership because that truly is what it's all about. Even even if we're relying on religious beliefs or spiritual principles, it still is ownership. It still is our choice to, you know, move into that peace or to accept those teachings or to seek out the wisdom. I think ownership is a really powerful word. Was that difficult for you to know how to step in to that ownership? Because there's kind of that gap between realizing, okay, this isn't so much fun. I'm tired of doing this. And then knowing where you want to be, but then figuring out how to do it. How, what did that look like for you? Well, I did have 
oh, you know, all my life I've had a passion for serving the world, for serving people. When I was 19 years old, I was listening to um, a couple of young women, just acquaintances, and they were saying to each other, I want to heal the world. And they both had that as their desire. And immediately, as soon as I heard that, in a, just a flash, I knew that for me, it's I want to uplift the world. So ever since I've been 19, I've had a lot of clarity about my purpose in life being to uplift the world and on a soul level. And um, that, I, I, there was just a lot of frustration when I was not taking ownership. I was just um, always saying to God, you know, I really want to do some wonderful things in this world and I'm not getting any traction. And it's so unfair because I don't have enough money to invest in things or whatever. I, I didn't know what was going on. I just, I just knew that I wanted to do something. And that was one of the things I think that fueled me uh, in the direction of just realizing that I just had to take ownership and had to take charge. Just my strong desire to, to have a different um, level of contribution to the world. Right. So you had mentioned, you know, some other people. Did you have some mentors that helped you along the way? What ended up happening was after I basically just gradually through spiritual, through spiritual growth, I guess my level of awareness began to increase. Yes. There was a moment, you know, back in my early youth for quite some time, I just really didn't realize um, that I was so jealous and bitter and in fact, occasionally somebody would say, oh, you have a new job. I hope you are happier now. And inside I would be like, hmm, am I really not happy? I didn't really recognize my misery so much, even though it was so potent. <laughs> and now looking back, I have been able to realize, yeah, I was bitter. I was jealous. I was saying life is unfair. Yes, I was miserable. I wasn't really very happy. But at the time, I didn't really notice the water I was swimming in. Uh, quite so um, so uh, clearly. I think that is so common because we just get used to whatever it is that we're experiencing and feeling and we think it's normal. And whether that's like a low level, you know, of misery or whether it's a high level, we just get used to feeling however it is that we're feeling. So it's my guess, since you're a love and a joy coach, that you are a pretty happy person right now. And I guess my question is, are you aware of your happiness right now? Or do you think you have kind of gotten used to feeling happy? I hope I never get used to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the thing is, is that there's also an undercurrent of joy. Uh, I, I sometimes like to make a little bit of a distinction between happiness and joy. And I feel like joy is what we're born with and it stays with us until we die. And so even if I were to sort of get used to my new level of happiness, there's always the possibility of tapping into the undercurrent of joy that is just so divine in, in, the, uh, in, our, in our hearts. And it's something that we don't necessarily spend much time connecting with and tapping into. We aren't always so aware of it because there's so many distractions in the world, because our monkey mind is constantly taking away from our heart. And it, it just um, is something that we can go for years without really uh, noticing. That is so true. And I like how you talk about it as, a, as an undercurrent, because it's true. The world 
life is joyful and life is joyous. And you're right. It's so easy to be like, and now I have to go get gas and now I have to go get the groceries and now I have to go cook something and, and to not pay attention or to tap into that joy. So yeah, very, very well said. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that do work around happiness or joy or being the happiest person around and, you know, all of that stuff. How are you different in your work with happiness and joy? Yeah, I prefer to go into the happiness house through the back door. If you go to the front door of the happiness house, if you make that your goal, you know, mm -hmm. if you're just going around saying, I want to be happy, and you're looking for things in the outside world to make you happy, or if you go to the front door of the happiness house, just make a beeline for there, the door is going to probably not open up, not easily. It's going to, it really isn't going to budge. If you go to the back door where you've got the alignment door and the inner harmony door, mm -hmm. those doors open very easily. It's very easy to cultivate inner harmony. Uh, there are a lot of different ways to fertilize inner harmony. And as soon as you have more inner harmony, what happens is um, the, the a side effect is happiness, the byproduct. That just shows up on its own and you don't ever have to think about it. Ah, I like that. And that's so true. Um, so easy. You said it's pretty easy to cultivate that. Do, you, do some of your seven keys address how to cultivate that alignment and that inner harmony? I think they do tend to point in that direction, yes. Uh, the other thing that those keys do is they focus on releasing the blocks that get and be in the way of experiencing happiness. For example, the first key um, is really what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about how I turned around from my um, not owning my place in life uh, when I was bitter and stuff. Yes. And made, yeah, that turning point is really the first key. It's um, saying yes to your expansiveness. And what that really means is just getting, releasing the blocks of blaming and complaining and shaming. All of those blocks just get released. And what's left is your expansive self the light and joy within you. When you release the blocks to a happy experience in life, then the joy and happiness show up and remain. Mm, that's true. So what about when those blocks come back in? You know, I, I think it's easy, easy or not necessarily easy. It's doable for so many of us to do the work and to have that self-growth and to increase that level of understanding. And we go, aha, this is it. And then really bad things happen. You know, there's, there's the coronavirus, <laughs> there's an earthquake, there's, you know, death and destruction. And all of a sudden it's hard again. Is this a practice that you use these seven keys consistently? Or is this more like, okay, I've done this and now they won't bother me as much. I so appreciate that question. And you really did hit the nail on the head when you said consistently. Uh, this, I mean, you know, if someone, if I were to go to a workshop, say one of my workshops, or mm -hmm. if you were to go to one of my workshops, and then you were to leave the workshop and you weren't to continue with the exercises and practices that you learned throughout that day, and uh, you weren't to do the homework. I, I like to so assign homework sometimes at the end of the workshop. Yes. Even, though, even though the workshop's over and I might not ever see you again. 
Right. So you know, if you forget about the next 30 days of your life, you just return to the old environment and to the old level of happiness that you're used to. And uh, so the consistency is what really makes a big difference. Also, spiritual growth, uh, which is part of inner harmony, that's a very gradual process for most people. So the baby steps are so important and not to be dismissed. And it's just continuing to walk in the right direction, in the direction of, um, of heaven, the saints would say. Absolutely. No, I, I like that you said that because it is, it is a process and we have to get used to things. And you had mentioned monkey mind earlier. Sometimes it is really hard to just consistently do the things that we know we need to do, even when those things are easy and even when they make us feel good. Now, you've talked quite a lot about, um, you know, self-worth and the way that we value ourselves. What do you say to the people, to listeners out there right now who might be thinking, well, this is great for you, Elliot. This is great for you, Laura, because, you know, there you sit, you're light workers, you're, you each have books, you each, you do workshops, you do all these things. Of course you deserve happiness, but here I am down here. I don't deserve any of this. What do you say to somebody who's feeling that way? I can absolutely assure you that I used to have such low feelings of self-worth. It was just, my, I just was such, feeling so unworthy. For example, I judged myself really ruthlessly and really hardly. Um, for example, I um, thought I was too thin. In fact, I thought I was so much too thin that I didn't qualify for a romantic relationship. Oh. <laughs> so the, wow. judgments, the judgments were really deep. I used to go around uh, hearing people talk about their, how they were abused and stuff. And I used to think, wow, wow, I really lead, led a sheltered life in my childhood. Later on, I realized, oh my goodness, it was not sheltered. I had to deal with myself and my self-judgments. Right. <laughs> and that was 24-7. So if I can leave those judgments behind and uh, reach a place where I am truly bitter free today, I know anyone else can do it. Yeah. So what about, what, what happens when, like that, you've done it, you've done it, you've done it. But what happens when you face people from your past who maybe don't know the way that you've changed, who still are expecting, you know, bitter Elliot to show up? Change, I think, is very difficult because we make that change, but sometimes those around us don't understand it. And what do you do when you run into people maybe from the past who don't know the new you? How does an interaction like that typically go? That's a brilliant question, and it is so commonplace for uh, people to show up at funerals or family reunions or, you know, to encounter people they haven't seen for a while, uh, cousins or whatever, right. who have, yeah, who really do um, think of you as the way you were 10 years ago, and now you really are a new man, a new woman, and um, you're just not the person you used to be. Uh, so that's something that we all encounter. And, you know, the thing is, is that when you show up, sometimes you might forget that uh, the cousin may have changed over the last 10 years. Oh, that's so <laughs> and, true. <laughs> that's right. So you might do the same thing to them. In any event, um, what's really helpful, I think, is to be focused on how you can meet people where they are. I know of somebody, for example, who tells the story of how when he was in his youth, 
he um, was way more enlightened than his father. And for a while there, there was frustration. He wanted his father to see the world the way he did and to give approval for his decisions to do things that were not the normal go to a job decisions, but maybe teach yoga or whatever it was he wanted to do. Right. Yeah. So eventually he really realized that he needed to um, meet his father where his father was. His father's passion was gardening. And so he ended up spending a full day for starters, or maybe it was just part of a day, walking around the garden with his father and listening to his father say, this plant is called this and that plant is called that. Wow. So, yeah, he, was, he spent the day listening to his father and just appreciating his father's passion. Wow, that's beautiful. And that's so simple. Yes, it is. But it's something that, you know, we just are so trapped in the ego's self-centeredness that it's something that just doesn't land on our radars necessarily. No, you're absolutely right. It totally doesn't. So what are some of the keys about moving out of that ego and moving out of that self-centered way? Do you have any keys that kind of address that? One of the things we can do is say yes to our uniqueness. And that uh, helps us um, leave comparing ourselves to others and self-judgments behind. So when we, um, or, or actually, if we stop comparing ourselves and leaving our self-judgments behind, that also uh, helps us to have the freedom and liberation to say yes to our uniqueness. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is true. And we are all unique. I know I do a lot of work with that, um, you know, myself. And that's kind of like when you say yes to life, you're saying yes to your uniqueness. You're saying yes to, it feels like kind of everything that is and everything that you want. And I think part of that also has to do with being brave enough to say what it is you want. Because we were talking about, you know, that self-esteem and I think sometimes people's self-esteem and self-worth is so low that they're even afraid to reach for more. You know what might help with um, having that courage to reach for more? We need to have uh, much more self-trust. So many people who I encounter have a very low level of self-trust. How do we see ourselves as trustworthy, experience ourselves as trustworthy. Um, there are a lot of ways to do that, but some of the ways include um, really the old-fashioned things like integrity and being kind to other people and being honest. When you are consistently showing up and um, when you are taking advantage of opportunities to be kind, that gives you a reference point for, oh, I'm a kind person, if you do that consistently. And then you can trust yourself to be kind. Or if you're constantly making a point of being honest in your answers to people, then that gives you another reference point for honesty and, and helps you to trust yourself. If you don't mind, I'll tell you a really quick story about somebody oh. who I, I think has a lot of self-trust. Yeah, absolutely. I was at a cafe just a few days ago. And um, somebody had just ordered a coffee and I was just sitting down. I already had my coffee. And the lady who ordered a coffee looked in her purse and she couldn't find her debit card. She couldn't find any cash. The lady behind her said to her, don't go home and get your card. I'm going to pay for this for you. And it was just so kind of her. 
I, I live in a big city, so I didn't know any of those, either of those ladies. But right. my sense is, is that the lady who showed that kindness is just in the habit of doing that. She just automatically is on her toes for opportunities to be kind. I like that too, because it's, it's a small thing. It's not putting pressure on us that we have to go dig 15 wells in Africa. It's, it's just a kindness and it's small, but it's large all at the same time. Yes, the little things are big, especially, uh, you know, if it's something that you commit to over an entire month. I like that. Now, you, I said in the intro that you have written for Daily Word and Science of Mind magazine, and some of the practices that you talk about, you know, alignment and our harmony, kind of have a religious, you know, flair to them. And I know you quote um, St. Francis of Assisi in your book as well. Is your book spiritually based? Is it religiously based? Is this something anybody can do? Um, and the what is the role of religion in your life? There's like 10 questions right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll start with the question about is the book spiritual or religious? And it is, maybe it's both. Um, the thing about me is that I like to, sometimes I use traditional language, sometimes I use new age language or whatever. I like to look for truth wherever I can find it. And if there's something that St. Francis said or something that um, Osho more recently, yes. uh, the guru in India said, um, I don't care where on the planet they're from or where in the galaxy they're from. Yes. <laughs> That's going to be the new thing. <laughs> We're going to be expanding from Earth-based to uh, Earth-plus galaxy. Exactly. I don't, care, I don't care where the truth is from. I want to listen to it. I want to bring it into the book if it's helpful. I want to bring it into the workshops I lead. I just love to um, have things that help the heart be uplifted, that are resonant, that uh, help with cultivating inner harmony. Yes, I love that. I, I'm right there with you. Now, one of the seven keys that you talk about in your book is also saying yes to grief. And your book is all about joy and happiness. And you know, you call yourself a love and, and happiness and joy coach and all of that stuff. But grief definitely isn't happy. Can you talk a little bit about the role of grief and saying yes to grief in order to cultivate that alignment, harmony, and happiness? Oh, I'm so glad you asked about that key because it might be the most important one along with the foundational key of ownership. Those two, I think, might be the two most important ones. Uh, with, when I say um, it's important to say yes to grief, what I really mean, if I just bring it down to its basic, simplest expression is, it's important to just feel all of the feelings that show up for you, that arise within you. From one moment to the next throughout the day, let the feelings flow through you, whatever they are, and then let them go and let whatever new feelings show up, show up. And that can really be a bridge to being present to all of the feelings. Yes, I, I yes. Being present is so key. And it's true when we're feeling positive emotions, it's like, yes, I want to stay present. And when we're feeling negative emotions, it's easy to try to suppress or repress those, but it just doesn't help. That's right. In fact, I have an analogy, um, an image that might help with that. Oh, good. You can imagine, yeah, you can imagine a beach ball uh, uh, sitting on the surface of a pool. It has mm -hmm. lots of different colors. It has lots of different emotions and feelings. Uh, you know, it's got the happy and the sad and a bunch of other things. And then just imagine that now you are pushing it down beneath the surface. 
it's all one unit. So you can't just say, oh, I'm going to push down the angriness and, and leave it at that. No, it's, it's, it's a beach ball and it's either all submerged or it's not. So when you end up pushing the beach ball down for any uncomfortable feeling, anything you want to avoid, you are also um, making yourself numb to yeah. the wonderful happiness. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. I want to move in to the five steps of flaunt for a second and get your take on my five steps in relation to your seven keys, because there's such synergy and symmetry in these. And I just kind of want to do some of the comparing and contrasting so listeners can kind of be elevated. And so they can have even more tools to go forward in their day to day so they can live their sparkle so they can really say yes to life and so they can go away with ways that they can change themselves and their experience on the planet wonderful uh, oh good but before we move into that we are going to take a quick break for some exciting advertising so stay with us. We'll be right back. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream, and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra, Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt, Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. According to Harvard's Health and Happiness Study, the number one way to find happiness is to feel good. And Laura's 90-day Fit to Flaunt program is all about feeling good every day. If you're sick and tired of the unhealthy, unrealistic, and unattainable goals that the diet and fitness industry shoves at us all, then Fit to Flaunt is the program for you. Based on your goals, your body, your lifestyle, and most importantly, how you feel, Fit to Flaunt will change the way you think about health, happiness, and most importantly, yourself. For more information, go to www.lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com because the program starts soon <laughs> and fills up fast. And we are back. FLAUNT is an acronym and it stands for Find Your Fetish, Laugh Out Loud, Accept Unconditionally, navigate the negative and trust in your truth. And like I said, there's a lot of synergy and symmetry between these. I always have people start with finding your fetish, which is finding that thing that makes you happy. And yes, I agree with you that all that happiness is internal. You know how you put it going in the back door and finding that inner harmony and alignment. I agree with that. Sometimes we also have to reach outside of ourselves and find that thing that we can, you know, hitch our wagon to that star that we can use to bring ourselves up and lift us out of a funk when we just can't seem to do it ourselves. What is that thing for you that always allows you to find some joy, even when life feels hopeless or bitter or 
you just feel like you just don't even want to be happy. Gratitude, I think, is really what, uh, more than anything else, pulls me out of being in a funk. And so what I'm really excited about all the time is the gratitude for my soul print, for my heart print, for my uniqueness. I just love to notice how every soul is totally different and to be grateful for that and celebrate that. Does that answer your question or am I going off in a different direction? No, you, that is absolutely perfect. It's true because we have to find that thing and fetish has got a couple of different definitions. It can be that thing that we really, 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 really like, but a fetish is also like Dumbo's feather. It's, you know, that little piece of magic that we can cling to and then it kind of lifts us up outside of ourselves. And I think that's perfect for gratitude because gratitude is bigger than us. And you're absolutely right. When you start noticing different people and different souls and the way those different souls express and feeling that gratitude, you really can't help but be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And along with gratitude, um, what, what gratitude is in some respects is it's walking into a dark room and instead of shining the flashlight on the usual troubles in your life, whatever the troubles are in that day, uh, and complain about them, instead of just shining the flashlight on all the things that are going wrong, it's um, turning on the overhead light and looking at all the wonderful blessings that are also there that you might just take for granted. I love that. I love that. My second step that I use is L, which is laugh out loud. And when people hear the words joy and laughter, sometimes they think about slapstick comedy. You know, sometimes they think about giggling and laughing through life. And oftentimes life isn't that way. Sometimes laughter is quiet. Sometimes joy is quiet. Sometimes it's loud and laughy, but sometimes it's quiet too. What does the role of laughter play in your life? And, and how, how can you compare and contrast, you know, laughter with happiness and joy? And what does that mean to you? What does laughter mean to me? Let me tell you a quick story about, yes. um, yeah, about St. Therese. She was, uh, you know, when you're in a convent, you have to do all of the chores. And so she was um, washing tablecloths or something. She was doing some sort of laundry task with some, some other nun. The other nun was um, really aggressively um, <laughs> shaking up the water yes. as she was washing the stuff. And uh, there, was, there were droplets that were sprinkling that were, sh uh, she, St. Therese was sort of getting a little bit of a shower. Yes. From the water, yeah. And at first she was going to, um, she was tempted to be a little bit sharp with the fellow nun. And then she decided to just um, frame it as a gift from the universe, a gift from the cosmos. And she ended up um, shifting from being all upset about getting the droplets to letting them fall on her without um, it being a big deal at all. Uh, now, of course, there's also something to be said about boundaries, and that also helps with self-trust. But yes. I, think that, I think that both boundaries in that case would have worked or doing what St. Therese did. And so just... Another, yeah, so to get back to your question, I feel like that, that she may have had a very quiet laughter 
going on when she when she reframed it when she got in touch with oh this is something that i can look at as pos a positive gift from the universe and that has a little chuckle to it absolutely and sometimes that small smile and that little chuckle is more powerful than the big laugh out loud belly laugh yeah she 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 was she was in on the inside joke she and god were the ones who knew what was going on <laughs> Absolutely. And I like how you said, um, you know, she and God, because my experience of God, my experience of the universe and the divine is very funny. You know, I, I hear jokes, I hear, you know, things that are ironic and soulful. And my experience of the divine is definitely a funny experience even though there's a lot of reverence there too, there's also a lot of joy and laughter. Absolutely. And you know, I think that the laughter is always a very tender laughter, a very embracing laughter, and never anything um, that would have any judgment in it. No, absolutely not. I'm glad that you made that distinction because you're absolutely correct. Now, my next step is AU, which is accept unconditionally. What has been one of the most difficult things for you to accept unconditionally, both about yourself and about the world? Well, let's start with myself. Uh, in the, well, I mean, I could go into the uh, judgments that I used to have about being thin. Now I'm perfectly happy with my body type, but yes. I want to go with something more current instead. Yes. Yeah, more recently in my life, I think I have had a lot of trouble um, accepting the resisting voice within me, the resisting part of me that does, that resists spiritual growth, that resists enlightenment. Maybe it's sort of tied in with the inner critic and the saboteur. But there yeah. is, a, yeah, there are all these voices in me. And I have finally um, begun to approach them with, 110% sincerity in saying, you have a right to be the way you are. You do not have to change for me. And then listening in case they want to communicate with me. But just having full acceptance of them exactly the way they are. If you are approaching something that is sort of a shadow side of you or something that's limiting, and you say to them, you don't have to change for me. You can be the way you are. Um, I give you the right to be the way you are, and you do it from a point, a place of manipulation, hoping that this is going to make them change. That is not as powerful, and I, I discourage people from doing that. Right. Really, yeah, really needs to be an authentic embrace of every voice within you, every part of you, totally. Yeah, I think that is so powerful. And, and again, thank you for using that word manipulation because isn't that true? It's so easy to fool ourselves and our ego is so strong and so powerful. And it's so easy to come at self-growth from a false ego perspective that I'm already perfect, but I'm going to do this anyway and make myself even more perfect. And that's not what it is. <laughs> well, it sounds to me like one of the things you accept is how there's always room to grow. I love that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then what about in the world around you? What is one of those things that is just, oh, so difficult to accept? That's so funny. I, um, yeah, I guess... The hardships that a lot of people endure is hard to accept. And I, I don't know if 
I have actually made much progress on that one. So you're going to have to check in with me in a few months and see if I'm doing better. (laughs) (laughs) I will, I will. And I hear you. My thing that's most difficult to accept is judgmental people. And, And the irony is not lost on me. That I am judgmental against judgmental people. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> but yeah, I, I find that very hard to accept. We all have that. Now the N in flaunt stands for navigate the negative. Can you share some of your top tools, whether they're your keys to happiness or not, but just for navigating life, for navigating some of those difficult circumstances? Yeah, the key is to just not fall into the trap of um, having a should or an expectation. So um, if you are just waking up in the morning and thinking that life should go a certain way, that is setting yourself up for being disappointed with the way things turn out. Yeah. Oh, big time. Big time. So... You have talked a lot about the uniqueness, you know, that key of embracing your uniqueness and owning your uniqueness, that that will help you navigate, that will help you release what you should or should not do because it allows you just to be in your uniqueness. And that is so similar to the T, trust in your truth, which is the final step of flaunt. Can you tell listeners a little bit about your truth? Who is Elliot, exclusive of his labels, his roles, his successes, his failures, his relationships? Who are you as a soul, as an essence? I love that question. And I could just say, uh, it will be revealed, uh, continue, it will continue to be revealed, and I will continue to discover it. I've been discovering it, and I'm sure there's a lot more that I haven't discovered yet. And so I have all of these wonderful um, conscious and unconscious genius, uh, genius aspects and brilliance and so on and so forth, and I look forward to growing into that. So that's true, and I will yes. also go on to say some more. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, to get a little bit more specific. And um, you see, I love, that's of all of your five um, keys, that's my favorite, the T. And I, what I do is I work with people on embracing who you are, on celebrating who you are. Not just the uniqueness, um, but both the divine and human self. And the divine part is not always unique because we all have... Um, this amazing glory within us. Um, We all have this amazing magnificence, this nobility. Uh, So I just love to say I am a noble, humble, um, majestic, magnificent person. I'm more vast than I've ever realized so far. Yeah, I love that. I like how you talk about that that soul piece is not necessarily so unique. Because it reminded me of a book that I read years ago, and I want to say that it was a book about like the Kabbalah, but I can't remember exactly, but it talked about if every soul is, you know, a fragment of the whole, that we're a drop in the ocean, we are a fragment of whatever it is, 
there would be a lot of commonality because we are all that same essence moving through us. And sometimes we get so caught up in our uniqueness that it's easy to forget our similarities. So thank you for that reminder that we are all spirit and that that is similar and is magnificent and is equally unique because it really is from the same source. I just love to celebrate um, my humanity and my uniqueness both. Yeah, absolutely. So you, your book is, you know, Say Yes to Life. For our listeners who are listening there today and they're starting to think, yeah, I get this. And you, you guys are giving me some things to think about. And yes, 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 yes. What would you say to them to go do right now? What is their next step today? You know, obviously reading your book, reading my book, practicing kind, there's a lot of things that they could do, but what can they do right now? Podcast is over. What is their most immediate next step for saying yes to life? I could give a really quick exercise. Would that be helpful? That would be amazing, please. Yeah, what you can start doing for the next uh, 14 days is, yeah, you can just write down, or if you prefer, you can do it verbally in the shower, write down three things every day that you appreciate about yourself. So the sentences will all go like this. Something uh, Something I appreciate about myself is my tenderness. Something I appreciate about myself is my willingness to learn. Something I appreciate about myself is my love for cats. It can just be anything and everything. If you do that in writing and you do 14 new ones every day, you'll have quite a lot on your list after 14 days. And then for the next 14 days, you can review that list and turn it into gratitude. Appreciation is a bridge to gratitude. So now you look at the things you appreciate about yourself and you say, I am grateful for my love of cats. I am grateful for my willingness to learn. I am grateful for my tenderness and everything else on the list. Ooh, I like that. I like that. So talk about that appreciation to gratitude bridge, because I think there's a lot of good wisdom right there. Yeah, a lot of people might have trouble sometimes um, uh, just jumping all the way to some high vibration of gratitude. And so the training wheel, so to speak, or, or the bridge that gets you there sometimes is just simply appreciating anything that you notice that's wonderful or good about you. Anything that you love, you know, I, I included my love for cats on that list. Any I'm right quali- there with you. <laughs> <laughs> We're both cat people. And yep. then the qualities, you know, your tenderness, your curiosity, you can even appreciate your shyness, your, your gregariousness, and just, just put everything on the list. And that is, is, uh, gets the momentum going. It, it turns you a little bit, and then you just turn a little bit more, and you're facing gratitude. Oh, that's wonderful. One thing that I kind of see about that, and perhaps you have a different take on it, but I feel like um, appreciation is a little bit more headspace, and then gratitude is a little bit more heart space. And I know that heart space, heart centeredness is pretty important to you. Can you share some insight or some wisdom about the power of the heart? Well, the scientists have been discovering that the vibrations coming from the heart are way more powerful than those coming from the brain. 
and I'm not an expert on that, <laughs> but um, basically what I'm noticing is, is that the things the mystics were kind of pointing to over the last 1,000, 2,000 years, or even longer, are being verified by science now. And I just really feel like what we need to do is we need to see ourselves and we need to see the world and everybody from the eyes of our heart. We need a new lens. We don't need to be seen through our physical eyes so much or through our mental filters. We really need to see through the eyes of love. And that helps us to see our beauty and our nobility and our magnificence. Yeah, it absolutely does. And what about for people who have kind of been raised without love? Um, is there another bridge that you can offer or another exercise that will kind of help them to learn what it feels like to feel, what it feels like to be in their heart and, and what it feels like to experience love when perhaps they haven't experienced it before? That is an excellent question. Um, and I'm sure that I would be able to come up with something after thinking about it for a day or two, but right I now, <laughs> if you have something you'd like to suggest, I'm all ears. I love your wisdom. <laughs> well, thank you so much. No, and I kind of like going with the deep questions like that, that are sometimes just, I feel kind of led from spirit. And, and I, like you, might have to think about that a little bit because I do think I do think practice has a role in it. I do think being willing to learn and willing to kind of suppress our, not really suppress, but move out of our idea that we know it all and just be willing, I think, to say yes to the fact that we are learning something that we didn't know before and that it can maybe be clunky <laughs> and difficult and that we might not do it right the first few times. So I think maybe just saying yes to that willingness to learn. That's beautiful. And it does bring to mind something else that, um, that's sort of in my book, which is basically letting, uh, saying yes to freedom from the past. In other words, saying yes to all of the self-images and all of the beliefs that you've brought um that you've carried over the years allowing yourself to be given a blank uh canvas to paint on uh to paint a new self-portrait on yeah oh that is so 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 important yes i really love that um because yes our past is important because it is where we came from, but it is not who we are in the moment and it is absolutely not who we are in the future. Yes, but you know what? I don't want to say you need to forget the past entirely. No. Nope. Because when, yeah, when you look at the past and notice, oh, five years ago, I was uh, limiting myself in this way and now I'm not doing that so much anymore. It is so powerful to just keep every day acknowledging the growth that you have experienced. Oh, absolutely. So listeners who want to learn more about your book, where can they get information on you and where can they find your book and check, check out some of these keys? Sure. I'm going to just give out one website. It's sayyestolifebook.com. That's sayyestolifebook.com. And it has more information about the keys in the book. It also has a link over to my coaching website if you'd like to go to that website as well. And it also has a button you can click on if you'd like to get a free gift, which includes a wonderful uh, deep guided uh, visualization. Oh, visualizations are amazing. They're very magical. Yes, I agree. 
Yeah. Well, Elliot, thank you so much for um, being on the show today and for sharing, you know, your wisdom and your keys. I'm I am in both a state of appreciation and gratitude <laughs> for you and for your work. And I love the idea of saying yes, because so many of us, whether it's from our past or our conditioning or from our insecurities, find it so easy to say no, even though we really want something. Yeah, I so appreciate um all that you're bringing to the conversation. Thank you so much. Well, you are welcome. I hope you have a fantastic week. Um, thank you for spreading love and light on the planet. Listeners, I will also put Elliot's contact information on the show page, as well as some more information about these seven keys. And you know, like I see in so many of my shows, you don't have to digest this whole thing right now. Pick one key, you know, whether it's saying yes to your uniqueness or whatever it is, say yes to one thing. Just take that one thing on, move gently into the rest of the day, appreciate yourself for who you are, appreciate the magnificent spiritual being you are inside, and then... When it feels good, move that appreciation into gratitude and say yes to being grateful and joyful and happy and see what opens up for you. Reach out to me at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. I will also have Elliot's contact information. If you have any questions, please reach out for to me. Please share the love and have an amazing yes filled week. And as usual, don't forget to flaunt. And don't forget to pick up a copy of both Elliot's book and my book. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra. Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now. Come find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more and get your free gift at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com.